It be too late to alter course, matey. And there be plundering pirates lurking in every cove. And mark well me words, matey. Dead men tell no tales. <laughs> the code is more what you call guidelines than actual rules. Welcome aboard the Black Pearl. Welcome to the Pirates of the Caribbean Minute, a daily podcast where we analyze, scrutinize, and plunder the Pirates of the Caribbean films one blimey minute at a time. I'm Scott Artis from scottartis.com. And I'm Heather Artis from blackpearlminute.com. Thanks for joining us for minute 112 of The Curse of the Black Pearl. Today is one of those most rare of occasions where I need to make a minor correction. I think you pretty much derailed me, Heather, on Friday, so technically it's your fault, but I'll go ahead and take responsibility this time since I'm not above trying to shift blame here and there. For instance, this very correction right now. I don't derail and I don't make mistakes. I didn't say you made the mistake. I don't derail. But you were in on the mistake. Anyways, last week we were talking about the skeleton pirates and their cracking bones while walking under the sea, or under the water, on the seafloor. But if I remember correctly, I think we were also discussing the lack of cracking bones while they are running across the deck of the Dauntless and quickly dispatching the oblivious marines and sailors. Yeah. Well, turns out after I went back and reviewed the minute, there definitely was cracking bones as we would expect, but the seamen simply didn't hear it. Probably mistook the noises for cracks and creaks on the ship. Thus, I offer my sincere apologies to Gore Verbinski and hope that that bit of criticism didn't sink our chances for him endorsing the show or becoming a guest. I think that was you. Hey, I said, I'll take the responsibility this time, even though you derailed it. I said, I don't know. I don't recall, but I'll trust you. Can trust a dishonest person to do dishonest things or something like that. What do you think? (laughs) Did that sound completely sincere on my part? At least for Gore? Yes. Well, that's all I needed to know. I worked on it all weekend. Now that the apology has left a bad taste in my mouth, let's pretend it never happened and move along. You got a lucky break last time, but before we get officially started with the minute breakdown, I think it's time to kick off the week with the pirate word of the week. Oh yeah, we forgot to do it last week. Yeah, we had guests on, we got all wrapped up in that, and we simply just missed pirate word of the week, and that was a shame. That is a shame. Did you even have one last week and you were sitting there waiting? Don't you lie to me. How dare you? I did. It wasn't a very good one, but I did. Now you have a new one, though? I got a new one. Okay. Curse you for breathing, you slack-jawed idiots. It's the pirate word of the week. I'd like to offer you some cackle fruit. Do you know what cackle fruit is? I've heard this, but what? I I don't know what's going on with this. (laughs) I'm actually oblivious to it. They're chicken eggs. Oh, okay. That's right. Cackle fruit. Okay. Well, that's a weird pirate word. Do we have any chickens in this episode, or are you just throwing stuff out because you liked it? I'm just throwing it out because I liked it. I'd like to take a cackle fruit right to your... Ah! Give it to you pleasantly. A (laughs) hard-boiled cackle fruit, I mean. (laughs) Yeah. Well, there we go. Are you ready? I'm ready. In the previous minute, the cursed skeleton crew descend upon the deck of the HMS Dauntless in an attempt for some historical retribution. It's time they avenged the death of their fellow skeletons who met their demise at the hands of Jason and those Dan Dargonauts. While the Harryhausen-esque crew tiptoe across the ship, 
The helmsman shows his British pronunciation prowess by replacing Lou with Lef, an obvious signal to the lonely sailors that there'd be a couple of available ladies waiting to repay their blue-sphered rescuers. Should we be worried that there happens to be upper-class women rowing out of nowhere from a <laughs> mired and unnatural fog, uncharted <laughs> landmass only known as the Island of the Dead? Nah. <laughs> Welcome aboard the good ship, Venus. Minute 112 begins with a cursed pirate skeleton crew continuing their stealthy rampage across the deck of the HMS Dauntless. Governor Swan looks over the stern to discover Elizabeth Swan used a makeshift rope of sheets and cloths to escape her confinement from the captain's quarters. Oh, what have you done? The governor asks rhetorically. We cut to Pintel and Rigetti still in their formal ladies' attire as Rigetti continues to woo the sailors. Pintel snaps back. Stop that! I already feel like a fool. The minute ends with Captain Jack Sparrow picking up a gold statue and examining it. Will Turner's being held by Clubba, and Barbosa sitting on a mound of treasure says, I must admit, Jack, I thought I had you figured, but it turns out, dot dot dot. That's what we got. That's the minute. Did you have anywhere you wanted to start, or should I just get the ball rolling? You can... As the commander, the master Well, it depends commander. where you're going to start. Are you going to start with Pintel and Rigetti? No. Where are you going to start? I was going to start with Elizabeth. Okay. You can start. Because Elizabeth really isn't in this. Yeah. But I was going to start there because it's the whole Elizabeth escapes deal. And I don't have much to say about the rope escape since we did talk about this on Friday. But the bedsheet escape is heavy on the prison escape symbolism, if I can put two escapes in there (laughs) next to each other. Fairly next to each other. As we discussed previously, Elizabeth escaping her confinement is not just about saving Will, but it's about escaping her situation agreeing to marry Norrington... Escape from the class restrictions as the governor's daughter and escaping the prison of her reality and having that pirate adventure that she always wanted or desired. Yes. See, so it's not really about Elizabeth. But now that she and Will are on their way to becoming pirates, her adventure is not just about experiencing the pirate world, but saying I do to a swashbuckler lifestyle with a good pirate at her side. Jack? Could be Jack. (laughs) Jack the monkey you're probably talking about, right? (laughs) Yes. Knew that's what you were going with. <laughs> I mean, that's the dream anyways, if they get past Barbosa, And we'll have to wait till find out. But if she can save the day, there's no obstacle that she can't overcome then, including her father, because she didn't quite hear him give that okay about a decision made <laughs> for the right reason can still be a wrong one. She's still thinking, man, that guy's just really obsessed with me marrying Norrington. Yeah. She's really angry at her father at this moment. <laughs> that she is. So we can start wherever you want then after, well... Not really start because we've already started, but you can go on to Pintel and Rigetti. Can restart? Can kind of restart. I mean, I had some random thoughts that includes a Governor Swan if you wanted to. Because I'm just entitling a lot of this as random thoughts today. Another episode of random thoughts. Yeah, I got a lot of random thoughts this time. What kind of random thoughts do you have about the governor? It's not just about the governor. It's about all kinds of things. I just threw out random thoughts. I was just sitting there making my notes and saying... Do I really want to put a lot of thought into this? Or do I just want to have a bunch of random thoughts for Monday? (laughs) And I thought, you know, random thoughts sound like a damn good idea. Yeah. So that's where I ended up. Just a bunch of random thoughts. It's like a messy page of notes with, well, my random thoughts. (laughs) If people didn't hear me say that 15 times already. Since we have some heavy moments last couple of episodes, that's kind of where I decided to go with that. It really wasn't the grog talking, or maybe it was. Yeah, it probably was. Yeah. Governor Swan is giving us a taste of emotions and diving into classical romances that we talked about. All that really heavy stuff that just really brought me down. It's like, brought me to a new level of low. 
that's possible. So I thought I would err on the light side today. And I know as a Sith Lord yourself, the light side is not in your comfort zone. But let's give it a try. A Sith Lord, huh? Yep. You are a slayer wow. of little Jedis. Oh, uh, no. Jedi training kids. No. How dare you? How dare you? The entire Pentelon Rigetti dressed as ladies gag serves a purpose beyond a few laughs, but it is a catalyst for the action. So it speeds up the reaction Gillette and the men on the Dauntless have to the attacking pirates. Without Pentel and Rigetti, they would have gotten swords in their backs, right? I yes. Mean, thanks to their antics, they saw the skeleton pirates just in time to react. Random thought right there. Boom. <laughs> <laughs> I was, my random thought, Patel is a really good shot. He is a good shot, He actually. shot Gillette's hat off from that distance while pushing Rigetti down out of the way. That's right. Actually, there's some pretty cool stuff because I did like some just real quick kind of not really frame by frame, but because I wasn't actually doing it on the computer to do a frame by frame, but I was viewing the Blu-ray to do this. So I was stepping forward, which is microseconds. Yeah. Microseconds. Whatever it is. Yeah. Never defined a step. I should probably look into what a step actually is on that machine. I don't know. It just moves us ahead slowly. We'll just say that. <laughs> but anyways, <laughs> you can see the shot happen. Then Gillette has his hat, and it's okay. And then all of a sudden, in the next step, boom, there's a like a divot that's taken that where the hole would be on the front of the hat. So it uh -huh. looks like it's a concave deal. Yeah. Appears out of nowhere because he gets shot. You don't yeah. see the, It's not like you see the bullet. It's not like the olden days with like a plan nine from outer space or something. We see like a bullet on a wire moving across <laughs> the screen. So it's nothing like that. But the divot appears. And then you take the next step and there is this CGI hat particles that are shooting off backwards in these straight lines. So I thought that was kind of well, cool. Well, that's pretty cool. Yeah, it wasn't bad. I mean, it wasn't. Like, realistic, like, I mean, when you see it so quick on the step, it's okay. But in the step, you can see that there's somebody just added lines. It's like, we need some lines there. So the guy drew in some lines. But it was okay for that. Well, you'd only notice that. In a step-by-step. Step. Step it's not like step, they're, like, not... in the theater slowing it down to frame by frame yeah. for everybody. So it but works for what it is. It works for what it is. We do get a few nice reactions, though, from Gillette and the Steersman. Some quick flashes of holy S-bombs, Batman, before they start fighting. <laughs> this is when they first see skeletons. Yeah. They turn around. It's like, oh, yay. <laughs> they get the heebie-jeebies. So who wouldn't? You got skeletons attacking you. The question of the day is, would you be able to react that quickly or would they have completely thrown you off your game? Me? Yeah, you. Oh, they would have thrown me off. So would you have just jumped overboard or would you have been Possibly. able to collect yourself and fight? Because these are like skeleton nasties that are coming yeah, up on I'd you. Yeah, I'd probably... Jump overboard. I probably would have fallen overboard when they spooked oh, me. Hands down, you would have fallen. I and would have fallen backwards. This is reality talking. If this is a real situation, you will fall. Yeah. I never thought that the horror movies with the lady falling or running from something was real and true to life until I met you. And then I realized, yeah, that's reality. If we're trying to run, she will fall. Not all the time. Because, of course, then that would be just a cliche. In the horror movies, they don't fall all the time. But the important time, you bet it, she's going to fall. No. Oh, come on. You like to lay on the ground when running. <laughs> no. <laughs> it's like you're taking a little sleep. Yeah. No, I meant to do that. I'm just taking a small nap before I get up and run again. <laughs> you don't like that? It's not true. I well, fell I once. And once? You got... Once a month? No, once. Ever. <laughs> no. Multiple yeah. times. How dare you lie to everybody out there? <laughs> once. 
that whole commercial for Lifeline was based on you. Except you could get back up. <laughs> Pintel, wow. Pintel likes to think of himself as the smart one in the duo. But even without his partner, Rigetti, he'd still be the low man on the totem pole, I think. He might be a notch up or so from where Rigetti is, but he's not on par with the other pirates, and that's for sure. No matter what he thinks, he's still interacting with Rigetti, and he proves that here by not being able to refrain from giving him a minor beatdown, or at least an attempted beatdown. Right? I mean, yeah. even if Rigetti was by himself, he'd still be kind of this, well, I'm trying to, you liken him to being the straight man and Rigetti being the kind of funny, comical, not very bright guy. Yeah. But the fact that Pintel can't even withhold his frustration at that moment and he's got to turn around and smack him shows that as much as he strives to be that bigger person, he's really only a notch or two above yeah. Rigetti. And he can't not help himself but spoil this whole thing. Because, yeah, he totally blew the cover and everything by attacking Rigetti during this time. Now, I'm not going to say that I planned this on purpose, but the correction, it's like when I said, I'll take the blame and blamed you for it, even though I was, this is kind of like a Rigetti Pintel thing. Pintel would actually blame Rigetti for blowing the whole scene. Uh huh. But we all know it was really Pintel who did that. And yeah. I showed as an example in the opening about how that would work. That was strictly just an example because uh-huh. I am just really notches above. Yeah. Governor Swan has two options since I'm going to move along to random thought number two or 2.0. Yeah, I'm going back to Governor Swan. Random thoughts. If this was in some kind of order, this would not be random (laughs) thoughts. I mean, you really need to get on board with the random thoughts idea. Governor Swan has two options. He can hide or follow Elizabeth's escape route. And by that, I mean try and go down that rope, makeshift, sheet cloth, tied thing. Yeah. But end up falling off. Because yeah. we know that he would not be able to make it successfully down no. that thing. He could try, but he's going in the water. Yeah. He's not going down gracefully. Well, there's no boat there. But even if, he wa- even if there was a boat. There's more boats there? Even if somebody brought another longboat back. It's like Disneyland ride. One oh, of those things okay. go away. Another one just shows up. Okay. That's the same thing. Okay. But if he had done that, he still would have ended up in the water. Yeah. Or he would have fallen through, hit the bottom of the boat and busted through. There's no way he would have made it down that without getting wet. The other thing is, is we know he has no skills with a sword, or at least that we know of. He doesn't have any skills of, with a sword that we know of. Anytime there's fighting and suing, he is told or... To, yeah, but to he's go. the governor, so... Yeah. It's not like he we've seen him with a bunch of fighting skills. No. So hiding or in the water are basically his two options. Right. No one can blame him for not going out on deck to help. Because of his skills or lack thereof. That and there's skeletons out there. That's true. He is smart about that. He'd be a hindrance and would probably cause the other soldiers to sacrifice themselves trying to save him. Yeah. And that would just be wrong. Yeah. So when he does close the door, that was the best thing for everyone, I think. Yeah. And he sees a crazed pirate skeleton stabbing that Marine many times over with that bayonet. It's like, run, Governor, run. <laughs> that guy was going to town on that yeah, soldier. Yeah, he was. Just one stab. That's all it's needed. It's not a stab, 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 chop, chop, chop thing that we talked about before. (laughs) Come on. Yeah, he did not like that guy. No. He really wanted to make sure that he got that guy pretty good because he was stabbing away. Since we have to at least mention Jack and Barbosa in this minute, because these are random thoughts as well, I can't help but add Jack looking for a mark on the bottom of that gold statue. He didn't find the mark he was looking for. 
these aren't the marks you're looking for. <laughs> I, I figured it Move must have been made in China or something. He threw <laughs> exactly. <it> away. <laughs> it's all this plastic statue. <laughs> they call this gold. <laughs> Can we get any quality gold in here these days? Yeah, what was he looking for? I mean, why is he looking underneath? I think I know. Why? I think he was actually looking for a hallmark. Dear oh. friend, I heard that you were cursed. Get well soon. No. A hallmark is an official mark or series of marks struck on items made of metal, mostly to certify the content of noble metals, such as platinum, gold, silver, and in some nations, palladium. There is evidence that silver bars marked under authority of the Emperor Augustinian around 350 AD. So marks and hallmarks have a very long history of this being done. Okay. That's what I think he was looking for, to see... Kind of a quality or mark or maybe where it came from. Was it worth anything? Is it really gold? Because he was picking it up. There's no way that thing was solid gold. So is it gold plated? You know, that something yeah. like that. Or is it brass, bronze, yeah. whatever. So I think he was just looking for a mark on it. And he found made in China. So we'll have to see if he likes it. We'll have to wait till the next minute. Does he want it yes. or not? But right now he's a little intrigued by it. That he is. But the statue almost looks like a fertility statue of some kind. Given it's delicately put... <laughs> Ample bosoms. <laughs> Other than that, I couldn't identify it. And I will tell you, Heather was there when I was doing a search because I was really trying to find some information on this. I was seeing if I could identify this statue. And I was trying all different kinds of search terms, including statue with large breasts or statue with breasts, uh, statue holding cups because it looked like two cups. But it is some kind of fertility. Fertility statues, all that. Definitely I wasn't hitting the right search terms on some of those. When you added the breast in there got a lot of ladies with bras wasn't quite what i was looking for or was it hmm. no it wasn't what i was looking for so i didn't really find anything but i do believe that it was some kind of fertility statue is my guess okay because i did see another fertility statue that was holding two cups or had two kind of cup like whatever at the end of its hands but i didn't get a reason why there were two cups so i don't know what that was for huh that's what i want to find out and look into more just was Have not at it, me. buddy. God, I kept spending so much time with that. It amazes me what the time I'll spend on some stuff. <laughs> it's like I have serious mental issues when it comes to that. Uh, just 35 more minutes of searching. I'll just yeah. give myself 35 more minutes. And then three hours go by and I still haven't found anything. Quality time well spent, folks. And then I was able to bring you that little witticism. That's possibly a fertility statue. How dare you? That's my research. That's my life's work. Yeah. Jack surprises Barbosa, random thought, with his supposed ability to let bygones be bygones and then forget the past to focus on the future and strike an accord with him. I think he starts this line not so much as a statement, but maybe as a form of inquiry. Is he going to see Jack slip up or reveal his real intentions here? Either way, Barbosa, I think, still has some reservations about completely trusting Jack, and this is his way of pulling on that string. Yeah. That's what I'm thinking. He's not sure if revenge is on the table or if this situation really is all about treasure seeking and gold. Yeah. Or is Jack doing this because he knows this is the way, only way he can get the Black Pearl back? Let's just call it even and start fresh and go from there. He's still trying to figure him out. Yeah, that's what I think. I don't think he's on. completely trusting the whole situation. So he's really looking at it and keeping They're an pirates. eye They're pirates. They can't trust one another. Exactly. And we just may talk a little bit more about that on tomorrow's Minute. So I'll just kind of save that for that. Okay, great. <laughs> that sounded like I pushed a button on a soundboard. 
<laughs> Heather's response is, okay, great. Like I said, there's no Heather here. It's me throwing my voice and a soundboard with Heather. <laughs> and those are my voices. Oh, great comments, Scott. <laughs> Congratulations. You're awesome, Scott. <laughs> Actually, she says that all the time. I don't have to really uh, soundboard that one. That one's a real true thing. I don't think so. Over the top moonlight. Last week when Norman and Cassandra were here, because this is my random thoughts episode, remember? Yeah. He mentioned the computer generated moonlight. Yeah. Although we didn't really address it at the time, and it didn't really make it sense because there wasn't like this grand appearance in that minute of the moonlight. But I did want to point it out in this particular 60 seconds. It really is over the top and blatant, but I can't help but say I love it. Yeah. The effect doesn't bother me in the least. Did you want to say something? I said no. Oh, let me push the button. No. No. <laughs> it doesn't. And I love it when um, Pentel and Rigetti are in the boat, in the little long boat, and you see the rays of moonlight coming down. I think it's such a neat picture. Yeah, the moonlight. I like it. Yeah. It's a point in the movie that we really need to be aware of at all times because it really is that division that we get from moonlight to non-moonlight that triggers human to skeletal form. So we need to be aware of it. We need to blatantly see it. Yeah. That's why I'm okay with it. And I think it looks good. Sure, it might be exaggerated, but it's a creative license I'm willing to take. I also think it's an artistic element that gives us some unique lighting perspectives in this particular movie. We could have had weird lighting infiltrating what should be a completely dark cave. Or we can get some bright moonlight that makes it glow. Gives us that maybe blue tone we find throughout the film. Uh Uh-huh. So I think it worked well. And it set a mood, especially when Jack was in the jail at Fort Charles. We get some cool moonlight stuff going on there. So moonlight. I'm okay with moonlight. Me too. I really like it, actually. Yeah, I think it just makes a neat thing. And plus you can see the rays of it. And it's Uh always cool when you're outside and there's sun and clouds and you can actually see the rays of the sun. Yes. I think that's... Just an awesome look. And so when we're getting it with the moonlight, I like it. Yeah, me too. So I'm not going not gonna to bash it. Me neither. Give me artificial moonlight. I'll take it. I have to hand it to the actors and stuntmen for this particular sequence that we're seeing. We talked a little bit about it before, but it's a work of magic pulling all of this together. Sure, the special effects at the basic level seem rather routine for today's standards. But at the time, this was not just like a one shot and we're done scene. First, the choreography was set and practiced by the actors and stuntmen. Verbinski yells action, and they go about just as rehearsed. Then it's time for all the pirates, actors and stuntmen again, to leave. The naval crew remain, and then they replicate exactly what they just did, but fighting no one. So they're just fighting air. Verbinski yells cut, the naval guys leave the set, and then the pirates come back, and they fight no one. To get this one sequence, they had to film it at least three times so that they can combine what they needed and put in the skeletons and do the machination process. That's crazy. Yeah. And how difficult is that, you know? I don't know. To fight no one and have it match up with... Why are you trying to sword fight me in the studio? (laughs) It's like you're stabbing me and I'm just sitting here. Maybe you deserve it tonight. How dare you? You've been kind of mean tonight. Mean? Yeah. I was telling truths. I'm a truth sayer. This is not just this minute, though, but the entire Cursed Crew Navy fighting on the Dauntless actually took place like this. So it really is a crazy process to get that. You will also notice that the entire work here is handheld camera work, too. Verbinski wanted to keep the feel of combat camera. You trying to kill me with a sword in the studio is not going to come through very well on the podcast. 
No. It's not a video podcast, so people can't see you waving a pen sword at me. <laughs> like you're trying to chop me down over there. It's crazy. With all the nerve. <laughs> and right when I was talking Battlefield combat camera work. Battlefield Earth. <laughs> I don't know. Talk about random thoughts. <laughs> Going to a box office bomb from John Travolta from the 90s, probably. I have no clue. I've oh. probably never even seen it. Oh, you haven't? Okay. Because I haven't seen it. There you go. I avoided it. So I haven't seen People it. People told me to avoid it. Critics. Because I listen to critics on everything. No, I don't. No. But I didn't see that one. But the battlefield, again, the combat camera, kind of this battlefield footage shake look, it does create that feel of being in the middle of a brutal attack. Yeah. And it wasn't just the actors, though, that had to go through the motions with and without the opposing actor or stuntman to fight. But the cameraman had to remember and mimic the shots for each take, which is not easily done on a handheld shoot as opposed to a camera on tracks. Wow. Because you got to imagine if it was on tracks and it's all set that they could just... Well, you could put little marks and stuff. So this was all handheld and he had to kind of remember where things were taking place or where they should be taking place so he could get the proper focus and focal points and all of that. So it really was an entire cool sequence that really got everybody together on this to make it happen yeah so that's what i got that's my random thoughts episode do you have any random thoughts to add no i added them all oh yeah that poignant battlefield earth comment (laughs) you said that was a good one and that's just came out that was a good one that'll keep us just we'll be we'll be all thinking about that tonight going boy she really nailed it on that minute (laughs) thanks (laughs) appreciate that I guess that's the grog speaking, so I'll just let that go. Okay, that probably is it. So that's it. A fast-paced, random thoughts episode delivered straight to your homes over the airwaves. Yep. Or computer, or fiber optic cables, however you want to do that, cell towers, all that good stuff. It's there. And I do apologize that Heather has to be there with you as well. Now I'm getting the sword fight basically again. Yeah. Talk about stab, 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 chop, chop, chop. I feel like that poor Marine... Who's laying on the dauntless and you're just over me with a bayonet just jabbing at me. How dare you? Yeah, look at you're she's even gritting her teeth, which is just ridiculous. It's not sharp. (laughs) Yeah, too bad it's not sharp. I'd really love to be bleeding right now. And on that note, we'll be back tomorrow with minute 113 of the Curse of the Black Pearl on the Pirates of the Caribbean Minute. Until then, let's keep the horns swoggling and stabbing Heather to a minimum. Heather, no surprise to find you in the tavern with a tankard full of rum in your hand. What was that for? You said you were going to meet me at the Pirates of the Caribbean Minute Cursed Listeners Crew Facebook group hours ago. I was? Mother's love! Why'd you slap me again? That's for not reminding people how to contact us. Get to it, you filthy bilge rat! Man, I obviously get no respect around here. So scallywags, thanks for listening. If you like the show... Give us a review on iTunes. It helps us out, and we greatly appreciate it. Have a question or comment? Give us a call at 8637-PIRATE. We just might play your voicemail on the show. You can also give us a shout at podcast at blackpearlminute.com. And don't forget to join the post-episode brawls on Facebook, our Facebook listeners group, and on Twitter. If you're interested in best of clips, you can find us on SoundCloud. All the links are on blackpearlminute.com. It's that easy. It's that easy.